Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Our role is if anybody walks through the doors and if anybody comes in, whether it's a women's Bible study, a men's Bible study, or over at a nursing home or prisons and juvenile detention centers, it doesn't matter. Guess what's going out? The seed, the word of God. We have no control over who receives it and who doesn't or what they do with it beyond you delivering it. That's not your business. That's not our business. Our business is to get out there and to scatter the seed. It sounds so simple, but it can be so hard. Your responsibility is to just plant the seed for salvation by sharing God's word and the hope of Christ. You might never know if that seed grows into a fruitful Christian life or not. But Pastor James shares that you can rest in the fact that God is more than able to cultivate what you've planted. No matter the condition of the heart that receives that seed message, keep planting. God will bring the harvest. He'll grow his kingdom through your faithfulness. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Mark chapter 4 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Turn to Mark chapter 4, please. The last couple of weeks I've been um, teaching out of my ESV because I, I just love that one. But I, I jump back into the NLT just for different phrasing today, okay? Just so you understand that. Um, verse 1 of chapter 4, it says, again, Jesus began teaching by the, the seaside, the lakeshore there, the Sea of Galilee. A very large crowd um, soon gathered around him, so he got into the boat. Right, so they were pressing in on him. He sat at the, he sat in the boat while all the people remained on the shore. He taught them by telling them many stories in the form of parables. Okay, such as this one. So we know the drill. You were here last week. If not, um, here's here's what's happening. The crowds are pressing in. The crowds are growing. They're multiplying. It's huge masses. So he has to get into a boat, press off into the water. He's going to have great acoustics because this, the way the whole region is set up. He can talk from out there in the boat, and everybody will be able to hear his voice. But the point of it is not the preaching out of a boat and all that good stuff, because if, if that were the case, then, well, we'd walk right across the parking lot, and we'd find a little boat, and I'd get in that dude, and then we would, you know, then we can do the whole thing over there, right? That's not the point of it. The point of it is large crowds are amassing. They're, they're growing like crazy, but not all for the right reasons, And that's why Jesus is going to switch into parables, because lots of people are showing up, but people aren't showing up for the right reason. They're not showing up for the right reason. They're not there because Jesus is the Messiah. They're there because they can get free stuff. They're there to, they want to use him as a means to their end. Jesus, being God, knows this. And so now, concerning the crowd in which he's talking to, which also include, let's not forget, context-wise, a a good number of individuals within this group that continue to show up are the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious leaders, who, let's not forget, just a few moments ago, could have been days or weeks within the context of the story, are all devising a plan on how to kill Jesus. But they keep showing up to his teachings, not because they want to learn something, 
he has nothing for them to learn as far as they're concerned. He's not going to bring anything new. So whatever words he does communicate to them, hard hearts, stony ground, they're not in any way going to receive what he has to say, which is a direct you know, correlation or, or why we have Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 through 10. Their, their salvation's not possible for them. Well, is it, is it, salvation's possible for everybody. Well, yeah, if you're willing to receive the word. If you're not willing to receive the word and the gospel, then do you remember that whole thing about the blasphemy, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit that he just talked about? How that's an unforgivable sin. It can't be forgiven. Why can't it be forgiven? All sins can be forgiven. Not that one. Why? Because they don't want forgiveness. Because they have no need of forgiveness. So they reject this free offer of forgiveness. Can't be forgiven because they don't want forgiveness. Can't be received his word because they don't want his word. Can't be saved because they don't want salvation. They don't want it. Now, can God do a miracle and all that stuff? Absolutely. Absolutely. But this parable is, is somewhat of a judgment pronounced upon. It was Isaiah received it back in, in fact, let's just turn there now. Isaiah chapter 6. Beautiful story. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that story. You have to be familiar with Isaiah chapter 6. If you don't know Isaiah chapter 6, you got a homework assignment, okay? You are going to hang out in Isaiah chapter 6 at some point in time this week because my goodness, how would you not know Isaiah chapter 6? That's like, oh, it's a beautiful chapter. So in Isaiah chapter 6, this is, a, this is an amazing thing that happens with Isaiah. And in fact, I want to read you the whole chapter because it's short and it's just phenomenal, right? So um, Isaiah is already ministering, right? He's already ministering. And we know that in verse uh, 1 of chapter 6, it says, in the year King Uzziah died. Well, technically, Isaiah has familial relations with Uzziah. They're in the same family, basically. I, don't, I can't remember right now what the connection is there. But King Uzziah dies. And so that is, for a nation, that's not a good day, so to speak. But in the year that King Uzziah died, he says, I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two other, they covered their feet. And with the other two, the remaining two, they flew. They were calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies, or is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, it's all over. Alas, <laughs> right? Like, woe is me. Um, I am doomed. I'm doomed, for I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips and live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of the heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my, lip with, my lips with it and said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed. Your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom shall I send as a messenger to this people who will go for us? I said, here I am, send me. He says, yes, go and say to this people, this nation of Israel, say to this people, listen carefully, but do not understand. Watch closely, 
but learn nothing. Harden the hearts of these people, plug their ears and shut their eyes. That way they will not see with their eyes, nor hear with their ears, nor understand with their hearts and turn to me for healing. This is the message God has for Isaiah for the people of Israel. He's like, all right, Isaiah, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go and talk to these people. I don't care what you say. They're not going to listen to you. I don't care what you do. They're not going to comprehend anything. You're going to go out there to these stiff-necked, rebellious people. You're going to proclaim the message. The message will always go out. But at this point in time in the nation, in, in Israel's, you know, that time in which they lived, hearts had turned away from God, given over to idolatry, and just they don't want anything to do with him. They want the blessings, but they don't want him. They, they want the blessings, but they, they don't want to hear technically really what he has to say. They don't want to apply it to their hearts. So no matter what they hear, they're not going to comprehend. They're not going to listen. No matter what they see, they're not going to perceive. It doesn't matter. But Isaiah, you're going to go out and you're going to, you're going to tell them. You're going to deliver these messages to them. It says they won't understand with their hearts and they won't turn to me. And their, their blinding of their eyes, their deafening of their ears, the hardness of the hearts, it's going to prevent them from turning to me so that they could be healed. They could have been healed. They could have been restored, absolutely. But here's the thing with the children of Israel at this point in time, and for Isaiah, which if you've ever read through the book of Isaiah, you, you understand. I mean, that guy was faithful to deliver the word of God in pretty radical ways. I mean, walking around naked and stuff, that's pretty extreme, all right? Just read your Bibles. That's, what, that's part of what he did. Um, but to have the whole time people looking at you thinking, you're nuts, you're crazy, and we don't, we don't want to hear what you have to say. And in fact, what we'll do is we'll bring up some other prophets around us who will actually tell us things we do want to hear. That's what they were doing. His day, Jeremiah's, all those. They didn't want to hear what he had to say. They, didn't, they just really didn't care. They could have been restored. They could have been healed. They could have. The problem is, is that they didn't want it. They didn't want it. You and I will deal with people in your lives as you're dishing out the seed, so to speak, word, the word. You're going to encounter people who just don't want what you have to offer. They don't want it. Don't take it personal because it's not about you. It's not against you. If anything, it's against Jesus. And he even said that to his disciples. Isaiah, how can Isaiah go until the very end, until what, you know, history tells us that, I mean, he was, he was murdered, um, sawed asunder, right? Um, what, what makes a guy go all the way until the end, faithfully preaching and doing exactly what the Lord has called him to do? Just trust in a God who, who loves him, trusting in a God who cares about him, trusting in a God who has called him to do a very difficult thing, regardless of results. And that's, so we get that quotation. I mean, it's here in Isaiah, and then Isaiah even responds, verse 11, uh, Lord, how long will this go on? <laughs> like, um, okay, I, I'm here, I'm available, but uh, how long is this going to go on? God replies, until their towns are empty, their houses are deserted, the whole country is a wasteland, until the Lord has sent everyone away, and the entire land of Israel lies deserted. Even if a tenth, a remnant, survive, it will be invaded again and burned. But as a terebinth or oak tree leaves a stump when it's cut down, so Israel's stump will be a holy seed, a, a remnant, so to speak. He's like, oh, you go until the end, Isaiah. You go until the end. You're going to keep proclaiming this message. You're going to keep telling these people, judgment's coming. And part of their judgment is 
we can throw out the word, can communicate the word, but man, if, if the heart's not been plowed up and it's not ready to receive the word, it's of, it's of no effect to a certain extent. And so that's, we go into this parable with that, that mindset of like, Isaiah chapter six is fulfilled here in Mark chapter four in Jesus's ministry. He knows the crowds are getting bigger, but that doesn't matter to Jesus because he also knows the people that are showing up. And he's like, I, it doesn't matter what I say. I know that there's a part of this group that's not, they're not even here to listen to what I have to say. They're just trying to gain some information to see if I slip up so they have a charge to bring against me so they can justify murdering me. And that was true of some of the people within the crowd. But he's going to continue to deliver the word, but now he's going to switch it to parables. So this parable or this cast alongside of is what that means. Uh, he's going to encapsulate, so to speak, um, this truth within you know, this, this story. It would be a common day story, but it's also like has this mysterious element to it, a secret. Some will hear it and they'll want to know more about it. It does that thing within their brains and within their hearts of like, okay, I hear the story, but what does that mean for me? And they actually do something about it. Then others are going to hear it and they're going to be like, cool story. I'm the good soil. Peace out, Jesus. And they don't do anything. It has no effect on them at all. Their perception of who they are is way off way off. But that's, he switches to these parables for this moment. Verse three, Jesus tells them about a farmer. Okay. He says, listen, there you go. It's a key word. I think the, the term listen uh, is, is repeated some 13 times in this chapter, which means that you and I need to listen. This is where it, within the, the, the message, anytime Jesus says, listen, that's where you have to stop and don't make the assumption because you're reading it that you're actually listening. That term there means a whole lot. And it's actually like a, it's like a stop sign before you go further and says, you need to pay attention. I know the story. Sweet. Listen. I got it memorized. Awesome. Congratulations. You need to listen. But I'm good. I've been walking with the Lord for 20-something years. You need to listen. I'm a pastor. I study this all the time. You better stop and listen. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. Sometimes we just press on and like, cool story, love this. Oh, this little detail, this little detail. Boom, 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 boom. Listen, right? A farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered across his field, some of the seed fell on the footpath or the pathway, Right? The, the ground that had been trodden upon. Um, anybody and everybody's walked all over this heart, so to speak. I mean, it's hard as can be, right? It's the pathway. It gets you from one point to the other point, all this good stuff. Some seed falls on the footpath. Birds came and ate it. Other seed fell into the shallow soil with underlying rock, meaning it had no depth. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant, soon, or the plant soon withered under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died, didn't last. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on the fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. 
Then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand and comprehend. So he, he bookends this thing with like, all right, pay attention. Listen, I'm going to tell you a story. Tells a story. And then at the end of it, he wraps it up with like, okay, so you heard what I had to say, but I don't want you just to hear what I had to say. I want you to actually pay attention to what I just said. And I want you to understand what I just said. And I can tell you this, based off that parable and the group he was speaking to, most of that group went, walked away thinking like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Cool story, Jesus. Excellent story. Man, that guy's good at telling stories. Good at illustrating truths, isn't he? He's the best. What's for lunch? And then they move on. No heart change. No time for a heart change. Some within that, grou- that crowd, as, we, as I've already discussed, is they're, they're just there to get Jesus. They don't care about anything else. They're only there to get him. I'm going to prove him wrong. I'm going to prove this whole Jesus thing wrong. And, and I'm going to expose the, the fact or the false, you know, all the stuff. Fact checkers, um, whatever. I don't even know. Um, Get out of here. Um, we're going to you know, expose the lies and the deception and this whole Christianity thing and the Bible thing. It's just a fraud and all this stuff. Yeah, people like that show up to church all the time. Can the Lord save people like that? Oh, yeah, totally. Absolutely. If I could tell you this, anybody showing up with that kind of mindset and attitude is probably not going to hear anything that gets said because they've already decided the heart, the heart has been closed off No seed is getting in through this ground. I'm not here to to listen to what is is said and proclaimed and all that good stuff. I'm just here to point out the the lies and the deceptions and all this good stuff, right? Sometimes that's how it is. That was true in Jesus' day. It's true within our day as well. But you know what? It doesn't matter because our role is if anybody walks through the doors and if anybody comes in, whether it's a women's Bible study, a men's Bible study, or over at a nursing home or prisons and juvenile detention centers, it doesn't matter. Guess what's going out? The seed, the word of God. We have no control over who receives it and who doesn't or what they do with it beyond you delivering it. That's not your business. That's not our business. Our business is to get out there and to scatter the seed. Some people listening to the story, I think probably would have been appalled at the method of this farmer. He seems to be a little bit careless in where he's scattering the seed, right? We talked about that a little bit last week as well. But if you were like really guarding the seed and how much you had and how much you were going to probably be try to try to be as purposeful as possible to get it into the good soil. Jesus is like, this, this farmer is like, Here's some seed, there's some seed, everywhere some seed. He's like Oprah Winfrey. You're like, look under your chairs, there's seed, right? Like seed for you, seed for you. He's like very generous with this. That should be more of our heart than, again, we, we don't have the right to be stingy with the word of God. You're not allowed to be stingy with the word of God. Number one, it's not yours. It doesn't belong to you. You're not the supplier of the word of God. He is the supplier of the word of God. And he says, why don't you just throw it out everywhere? Well, Lord, that doesn't seem very prudent. He's like, it's not your business. Who owns the seed? You do. Yeah. What have I called you to do? Share your word. Yeah. Where? Everywhere? Everywhere. Yeah. 
With everybody? Everybody. But Lord, what if some of it falls onto hard hearts and they don't want to receive it? It's not your business. Grab your bag with the seeds, get out there, throw it out there. That's what you're supposed to do. We let him deal with the results because the results belong to him anyways. And you might amass a great crowd, probably won't. But even if you do amass a great crowd, you don't know, 75% of that crowd may be there for the wrong reason. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Your job, my job, is to distribute seed, right? So he goes through that parable, and he's like, listen, you, you need to understand. You need to listen to what I just said. You need to comprehend. And in one sense, he's almost like challenging all the people who are showed up to be like, you need to understand that, knowing that they don't understand it. Nobody there understood what he was talking about. And we know that because the disciples who were spending most of the time with him came to him and are like, what are you talking about? Like, I understand farming. I understand throwing seed out and planting it and all that good stuff. But that story, there's something more to that story, Jesus. What's, what's, what are we missing from that story? That's what the disciples did. Majority of the crowd walked away. And I can promise you this, the religious people of that day had no care or concern to understand what he was talking about. Because I promise you, in their brains, when they hear the different soils, they're immediately thinking, good soil, I'm okay. Good soil, I'm good to go. Thank you, Jesus, for mentioning me in your sermon. And he's like, well, you were at the front, and you weren't at the end of it. But the disciples... Those who are hanging around Jesus, those who are getting to really know Jesus intimately, they're the ones who come with like, there's more to this. There's more to this, right? I'm, I'm missing something. And he's like, yeah, you are. Because it says, verse 10, later, when Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples and with others who were gathered around them, so it's not just the 12, it's beyond just the 12, they asked him what the parables meant. I love that. It's good company. Have you ever read through the Bible and you come across something and you're like, I have no idea what I just read. Like, I have no, I'm like, what? Like, um, you're in good company. And that's where you should find yourself most of the time. If I'm going to be honest with you, if, if you're like batting a thousand when it comes to scripture reading, um, I, I don't know what's going on in your life. Um, maybe I need to hang out with you more um, because you're seeing stuff that I'm not seeing. Because I come to this word, and even on familiar stories, and I walk away and I'm thinking like, I don't think I fully understand what you're talking about. In fact, I know I don't fully understand what you're talking about. And there's parts of the scriptures where I'm like, I have no idea. I have no clue. And people ask questions. They like to ask questions. And I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I'm going to do that quite often where I'm like, well, I don't know. I have no idea. I, I'll look into it. I definitely want to know. See, that's the difference. I want to know. I want to press in. I want to do the hard work of figuring this stuff out. I want to. And I would hope you want to as well. Religious people, they don't want to because they think they already know it. And then they walk away and they're like, farmer stories? Really, Jesus? Kind of lame. And they miss it. But his disciples are like, what were you talking about?
Thanks for joining us today here on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James has been teaching through the Gospel of Mark. This book is fast-paced. You'll notice as you keep studying with us that Jesus was on the move quite a lot. He did what needed to be done, and then he moved on to the next thing. Jesus packed a lot of service into his time here on earth, culminating in the greatest act of sacrifice ever, dying on the cross for everybody. If Jesus was consistently moving and serving, shouldn't we also be doing the same? Our faith doesn't say that we should just sit back and let others do the work. We're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus right here, right now. So go and do whatever it is that the Lord has gifted you with. Go share the good news of the gospel and then demonstrate it by how you love and serve people. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary Galveston and we would love to meet you. Visit breadforthebroken.com for more information. Would you like to do something for us? Would you pray for your fellow listeners? Pray that God would open their hearts and minds to His truth. Please pray for us too, that we would continue to follow Jesus' leading no matter where it takes us. If you feel like God is leading you to partner with us financially, all donations are greatly appreciated, no matter what the size is. You can give securely online at breadforthebroken.com. Thanks again for coming alongside us in sharing the gospel message. That's all that we have for today. Join Pastor James next time for more here on Bread for the Broken. Let me... Of you, babe.